Thank you for joining Holy Spirit Living, the podcast that encourages and equips believers to live each moment intentionally to bring glory to God and build His kingdom. So maybe it's been a little while for some of us, but I'm sure we've all heard of Sir Isaac Newton before, correct? He was an English mathematician and a physicist, most known for his formulation of the three laws of motion, his contributions to calculus as we know it, and his work and discoveries in optics. Although there's probably a plethora of things that we can talk about when it comes to Isaac Newton, today I'm going to focus on his um, work in optics. According to the American Association for the Advancement of Science, in the 17th century, the field of optics had already been highly developed. Microscopes and the refraction of sunlight through a prism had been observed but not well understood. It was actually thought that the resulting colors from sunlight through a prism was actually contamination of the pure white light causing the colors. But during the Great Plague, Isaac Newton took to further the research of refraction of the pure white light through a prism. He began by cutting a small pinhole in his window curtain, which appeared on the opposite wall as a circular illuminated area. But when he added the prism to the beam, it refracted and turned into an oval-shaped area with a rainbow of colors. Newton was intrigued by the change in shape and originally started cutting a variety of holes in different sizes and shapes. But no matter the shape of the original beam, the refracted light always was more oblong. Then Newton added another prism to the path of the light and the rainbow actually turned back into white light, which proved that pure white light was really a combination of all the colors. Further experimentation allowed Newton to discover that when a specific color was refracted through a prism, the result was still the same color. Even more than that, he discovered that each color was refracted at differing angles. So you're probably all thinking, what's with the history lesson, right? About a month or two ago, I actually was waking from sleep, an overnight sleep, not a nap or anything. And um, just before fully waking, I had a vision of a prism with a beam of light going through it. And I uh, was trying to understand what, what the message was in the vision, because that's how I am, you know? What I found is that there's actually several messages that could be shared in regards to the prism. But through prayer and seeking God's guidance, I've jumped from focusing on the rainbow and sharing about God's promises after Noah and the ark, to gifts of the Holy Spirit and their work in the body of Christ. But those are messages we've heard before. So God led me to the message I'm going to share today. In doing some research, I learned that the cross is a prism. Despite what the world sees when they look at the cross, persecution, guilt, death, pain, we as Christians see it as a symbol representing God's attributes. To the naked eye, God appears as a white light. But the reality is that God's characteristics and attributes are a rainbow, just like any one of us. I can look at anyone in this room and see them, but that doesn't mean that I know them because they're made up of characteristics, attributes, and talents of their own that make them who they are. Turn to 1 John chapter 1, and I'm actually going to read all of chapter 1. It's not super long. Chapter 1, verse 1 says, What was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed and we have seen it. And we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. What we have seen and heard, we also declare to you, so that you may have fellowship along with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now this is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light, and there is absolutely no darkness in him. 
If we say we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we are deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we don't have any sin, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. 1 John chapter 1, verse 5 says that God's light reveals his essential nature, what he's like. At the very beginning, God said, let there be light, and there was light. And we read in Ephesians that it is light that makes everything visible. So it is easy to conclude that the purpose of God's light is to reveal, to expose the true nature of things. His own light reveals his nature, what he's really like. But there is an argument to be made here that he cannot be known or seen clearly without the prism of the cross. So the main idea of today's sermon is that we can see the perfections of God more clearly through the cross than anywhere else in the universe. It is in the cross of Christ that we learn who God really is. But this light is only visible through faith. If someone were born blind, they would not understand the discovery that took place in the darkened room with Sir Newton. This works the same way with the cross. Without faith, you would not understand its glory. Like I said before, it would be an object of persecution, torture, death, guilt, and pain. The truth has to be revealed. The cross is not naturally glorious. It is supernaturally glorious. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And 2 Corinthians 4.4 says, The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. So today, I want to dive deeper into the attributes of God. But before we get there, I feel it's important to also discuss the aspect of refraction. Sometimes we feel like life is coming at us all at once. So let's imagine that the white light entering the prism is an aspect of life. It can be overwhelming, daunting, or even terrifying to embrace at a specific time. And what we need is for God to intercede and to bring light and clarity to the situation. This happens with a refractory period in our own life. Refraction is a shift in direction or the bending of light, resulting in white light being broken down into different colors. As human beings, we experience refractory periods of redemption, reignition, and restoration. Ephesians chapter 1 verses 7 through 8 says, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace that he richly poured out on us with all wisdom and understanding. Refraction happens when we surrender our own foolish will and embrace God's will, in which we experience redemption. It is easy to feel burnt out when we're coming out of difficult or dry seasons, especially when we focus on the circumstance. But shifting our perspective in those moments and setting our eyes on him reignites us to see beyond our current circumstances, providing fuel for armoring our hearts with knowing God is always on our side. The beautiful thing about refraction is that no light is lost in the process. Each of the colors is always present on the other side, giving the ability to shift again and recreate the white light. This speaks to how God uses and restores us. No matter our past, he can use us and actually has a purpose for our trials. In the process of writing this sermon, I reflected on my own life and actually the recent events in it. You're all probably aware that Josh and I have recently started a business, and about two months ago, I was uh, having a really hard time with it, actually. It was actually about the same time as when I got the vision of the prison. But I received a different refractory message through it. I viewed the white light as safety and security I felt about Josh's work situation. He had a steady paycheck that we could rely on, 
and I was having a hard time coping or seeing the other side of business ownership or what that would mean for our family. So I guess you could say I was having a hard time seeing past the prism because when I understood the rest of the message God had for me, I had a lot more peace about the situation. God's message to me was that I was seeing the white light fine, but God had more in mind for me. I had to shift my focus just slightly and dig deeper into my faith and trust in God that there would be a rainbow on the other side. Josh saw the rainbow. He felt God's nudging him toward the rainbow, but it took me a minute to catch up. And just like that, we see that if we shift our focus just slightly through the cross, we see not only the evidence of the all-powerful, all-knowing, and omnipresent God, but we see Father, Creator, Judge, Defender, Forgiver, Lover, and more. Just think about the Jewish people of the Old Testament, but who were alive for Jesus' life. They had to shift their gaze from one of following laws and commandments, offering sacrifices, and seeing God as super strict to understanding the new ways in which Jesus had been the ultimate sacrifice. It reminds me of the story we read in Luke 14 verses 1 through 6 says, One Sabbath, when he went to eat at the house of the one leading the Pharisees, they were watching him closely. There in front of him was a man whose body was swollen with fluid. In response, Jesus asked the law experts and the Pharisees, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath or not? But they kept silent. He took the man, healed him, and sent him away. And to them he said, Which of you whose son or ox falls into a well will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? To this they could find no answer. They were the law experts and the Pharisees. They knew that according to Jewish law, the Sabbath was to remain holy and no work was to be done on the Sabbath. But no one answered him when he asked. But of course, later during accusations uh, leading to his crucifixion, they were sure to mention it. They weren't silent then. God sent Jesus to bring light to the true character of God. Yes, he still wants us to keep the Sabbath holy. But when we talk about God's attributes, what exactly are we talking about? We aren't talking about just seven colors or seven attributes. We're talking about his glory and perfections. So far more than seven, right? No one has ever come face to face with God, so there can be no portrait of him. God is spirit. Instead, he has given us a plethora of Bible verses that give us descriptors of what he's like, describing the perfection of his whole character, making up white light. Let's visit John chapter 13. And here we're going to read verses 21 through 30. When Jesus had said this, he was troubled in his spirit and testified, I assure you, one of you will betray me. The disciples started looking at one another, uncertain which one he was speaking about. One of his disciples, the one Jesus loved, was reclining close beside Jesus. Simon Peter motioned to him to find out who it was he was talking about. So he leaned back against Jesus and asked him, Lord, who is it? Jesus replied, He is the one I give the piece of bread to after I have dipped it. When he had dipped the bread, he gave it to Judas, Simon Iscariot's son. After Judas ate the piece of bread, Satan entered him. Therefore, Jesus told him, What you are doing, do quickly. None of those reclining at the table knew why he told him this. Since Judas kept the money bag, some thought that Jesus was telling him, Buy what you need for the festival, or that he should give something to the poor. After receiving the piece of bread, he went out immediately, and it was night. Here we read the description of the night before Jesus' crucifixion, particularly the Last Supper. Jesus says to the disciples, I assure you, one of you will betray me. Then we learn through Simon Peter's questioning and Jesus' sharing of the bread that it was Judas who was then commanded to do quickly what it was he had planned. Then at the end of this passage, we read, and it was night. Not only was it probably literally night, but there is also a spiritual metaphor here as well. Everything gets dark. 
Satan rules in the dark. But like Newton's room, there will be a streaming white light broken through the prism of the cross, and God will appear glorious through it. So Judas's betrayal is darkness, but Jesus glorifies God in the midst of it all. How awesome is that? Then, if we read just two verses further, Jesus says God is glorified in him, meaning that God's nature becomes wonderfully revealed. His perfections are put on display. So like I said, there are far more than seven, but today I'd like to explore seven attributes of God seen through the cross in relation to each color of the rainbow. So starting with red, of course. For those of you who don't know, red is the blood of Jesus. It represents the blood of God, love of God, blood of lamb, atonement, and salvation. So the attribute that I chose to share for this one is, of course, God is loving. In our society today, we often confuse lust for love. But the more you dig into the real meaning of love, the more you would understand that it has more to do with the connection of the heart that someone has toward another person, that they would desire good for that person and be willing to sacrifice to bring that good about. Of course, we see the love of God most clearly at the cross. 1 John 4.10 says, Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. We typically think that we have to earn love, but really Romans 5.8 removes that by saying, but God proves his own love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God cannot be earned. It flows from the nature of God and is therefore unshakable. Moving on to our next color, of course, is orange. The meaning of orange or symbolism of orange is actually fire of God, deliverance, and passionate praise. So the attribute that I chose for this one is God is kind because of the deliverance. He offers deliverance. It's often difficult to distinguish between some of the attributes because they're so closely related. For example, grace, mercy, kindness, love, and goodness. But Titus 3, 4 through 5 specifies a separation. It says, but when the kindness of God our Savior and his love from mankind appeared, he saved us not by works of righteousness that we had done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. So there must be some sort of distinction between at least kindness, love, and mercy, since they're all acknowledged separately here. But when you think of a kind person, what do you typically think of? Likely you think of someone with a gentle, peaceful, welcoming spirit and a desire to do good. A good demonstration of kindness in the scriptures is actually found in Genesis chapter 50. It is here that we read the story of Joseph, who was sold into slavery by his brothers. Years later, he became second in command of all of Egypt and during a time of drought and famine. So his brothers came to him, and not only were they shocked that he was still alive, but also that he had so much power over them. Once their father Jacob had died, they came to visit Joseph and basically grovel in front of him, saying that they would be his slaves and they were begging for him to be nice to them. And Joseph, in his maturity, says to them, what they meant for evil, God had meant for good, to save many lives, including theirs. And he reassured them and spoke kindly to them. This was God's kindness demonstrated through Joseph. Our next color is yellow. Yellow represents faith and glory of God, anointing and joy. Our attribute here is God is faithful. Genesis's account of the birth of Isaac is a preview to the coming of Christ. He was born because God promised Abraham a son, just as he promised us sinners a savior. He came as a demonstration of God's grace. Abraham and Sarah were well along in years when Isaac was born, far beyond the years of childbearing, that Sarah laughed at God's plan. We know that God often does the humanly impossible to fulfill his purposes, though. Though Abraham and Sarah had devised their own more practical plan to fulfill God's promise, 
It was ultimately God's faithfulness, not human effort, which brought forth Isaac. This is not to mention that God also promised a Savior, who was born of a virgin, also not humanly possible, right? Because he is faithful and keeps his promises. Our next color is green. Green represents praise, growth, prosperity, new beginning, flourishing, and restoration. So the attribute that I associated here was God is gracious. Grace turns the natural order of things on their head. Time and again throughout the book of Genesis, the headlines would have seemed to shock their audience. Perhaps in the mind of the modern reader, the wonder is lost. But the implications for Christians are gigantic. God seeks to restore worshipers to himself by graciously pouring out his favor upon them. Consider this. God gave animal skins to Adam and Eve instead of retribution. They deserved death, but God gave them grace instead. And this is just one example of God's grace found in the pages of Scripture. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 tells us, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We have all rebelled against God at some point in our lives, and despite deserving to be condemned by him, he sent his son to die in our place instead. That's grace. Our next color is blue. Blue is representative of heaven, Holy Spirit, and authority. So, naturally, this one, I chose the attribute holy. God is holy. There is no one like our God. He is holy and perfect in motive and action. The essence of a clean, pure light of love and glory. He is separate from all evil, and he chose to put his greatness and goodness on display through a special relationship with the people of Israel. With the blessings of his care and provision came an expectation that the people would consecrate themselves to be holy as he is, not divine, but separate and unique in the ways of worship and daily conduct. The call to be holy was not simply to make Israel look different from other peoples. They were to be holy by association because God is holy. In other words, their holiness spoke something about him. The careful life they lived in accordance with God's requirements helped identify them as belonging to him. He gave laws for appropriate interaction with people and things around them with the goal of remaining clean and undefiled in the spirit of these laws. And the spirit of these laws continue to apply to God's people today. We are also called to holiness in every area of life. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14-16 through 16 demonstrates this. And the cross is the greatest display of holiness there has ever been in that Jesus abides by these laws perfectly. There was no sin in him. He was holy. Yet he cried out on the cross, My Father, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was because at that time he had taken on all our guilt and God had turned his face away. That is the holiness of God, and it is what it took to make us holy in his presence. Indigo. Indigo is actually a mix of blue and purple. In addition to representing heaven, Holy Spirit, and authority, it also represents priesthood, kingship, royalty, mediator, and wealth. It's a mixture of all of it. So attribute that I associated here was God is powerful. He used the cross, the weakness of Christ on the cross, to transform the world and the way we relate to everyone and everything around us. He is all-powerful, and we see that most clearly through the cross. By the cross, we have been changed. We are a new creation. The old is gone, and everything is new. And the further along in our journey with Christ we get, the newer it seems to become. We discover the authority that we have in Christ because of the authority granted to him by God. In our last color, violet. So purple actually represents priesthood, kingship, royalty, mediator, and wealth. 
So um, the attribute here is God is wise. God's wisdom consists in his ability to discern the best destination for our journey and the best way to get there. He knows the final destination, and the cross is at the center of his plan. He chose to save us in such a way that we will be humbled because we need faith only he can give. As humans, we have a tendency to believe we need to do something great to obtain salvation. But God has already done the great thing. Now all we need to do is believe in him and we will be saved. God was wise enough, obviously, to know that we wouldn't be able to do that great thing needed to obtain salvation. So like I said, these are just seven attributes that make up the great I am. There are several more that could be shared, so I challenge you to think of the attributes of God. Search the scriptures to find them, and when you pray, keep them in mind. I was also recently reading a book not long ago called Start With Amen by Beth Guckenberger. In this book, she explained that by starting our prayers with amen, it shifts our focus to God and not our needs or wants. It starts your prayer off with so be it, or essentially God's will be done. When I implemented this practice in my own life, I found that I would start with amen, and if it were healing I was praying for, for example, I would go into affirming God's attributes. So my prayer would end up sounding more like amen. God, you are a healer. You know what the body needs right now. You alone can work a miracle in this situation. God, I ask that turn their heart toward you. In Jesus' name, thank you. I'd like to jump back to 1 John chapter 1 again. And I want to reread verse 6. It says, If we say we have fellowship with him, yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. What is the truth? The truth is God's attributes. We as Christians should be taking on the attributes of God like Christ did. The Lenten season is a season of repentance, or a refractory period, if you will. It takes our complacent ways and it shifts our focus back to God. Through fasting, we go through from a white light to a vast array of color. We draw closer to God, and through it, God develops our gifts and works through us to bring the world to him. I believe that God is preparing us for more. Vanessa actually spoke a couple weeks ago that the labor is here. We have been pregnant with our giftings for a long time, some of us even years, and God says it's birthing time, but nothing will happen by us staying where we are. Though there is nothing morally wrong with staying where you are, there is a rainbow on the other side of the prism. He is calling for more, but in order to see in color, we have to align our vision with his. When we take the time to look around at nature and even other people, we can see the unique creativity of God. God is more than a creator. He has invited us to partner with him to contribute our ideas, our talents, and to chase after our interests to show our creativity in the world. God created the heavens and the earth, and he also created us. He created you with the brains and skills to find solutions to problems no one has solved yet, to make beautiful things, and to think outside of the box and help others. So when we find ourselves face-to-face with a prism, I pray that we would remember 2 Corinthians 4.18. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. God has far more for you on the other side of the prism. Thank you for joining us today. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast channel and like us on all of our social media pages at Holy Spirit Living. We encourage you to look for the gold in others today. Be blessed, but better yet, be a blessing.